in the altcoin season, if you are not searching for crypto gems on KuCoin, you're doing it wrong. As the home of altcoins, KuCoin is offering over 600 tradable coins. Whether you are a beginner or professional trader, you can always find a good product fit on KuCoin, ranging from earning products with passive income to derivatives trading with up to 100 times leverage. Sign up today to find the next crypto gem in DeFi, GameFi, NFT, and Metaverse. Join us with 10 million global investors and claim your $500 welcome bonus now. Welcome to KuCoin. It's K-U-C-O-I-N. Sign up to get a 500 USDT welcome bonus. Welcome to the CoinGecko Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Young. Each week, we will be interviewing someone from the blockchain industry to learn more about this fast-moving cryptocurrency economy. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The CoinGecko Podcast is produced each week to help you stay ahead of the curve. Show notes can be found at podcast.coingecko.com. I highly encourage you to join our newsletter where we send out top news in the crypto industry every Monday to Friday. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter and Telegram at CoinGecko. Uh, hello everyone, my name is Ben and as usual, I'm the host of today's podcast. Today we have a very special guest. His name is Eric DeMora, the co-founder of Cartesi. Uh, welcome to the show, Eric. Thanks, Ben. It's a real pleasure to be here with you and uh, eager to go through the questions and have a very good conversation. Yeah, for sure. And as usual, you know, before we begin, I always like to start with asking about uh, our guests, about where they're from. So could you tell us a little bit about what you do, what your background is, and how you got started in crypto? Of course. So I'm originally from Brazil. Uh, I had a more than 20 years of uh, software engineering experience throughout my life. Um, actually, I was entering school back in Rio de Janeiro uh, when the internet was uh, giving its first steps. <laughs> so... Mm -hmm. It was a very interesting time. Uh, I had a chance also to, uh, during my, my undergrad, uh, spend one year at UCLA, uh, where I also was with very good friends that ended up working with me at Cartesi. One of them is a co-founder as well, Diego Nehab. And yeah, I dedicated most of my life to, uh, to software uh, engineering. Uh, also... Traveled the world a lot, uh, became a digital nomad, running my own software business, had my software agency um, a few years before I entered crypto. Yeah, so, Eric, I want to ask what drove you into crypto? You know, what was the changing point where you thought to yourself, wow, okay, I need to get into this industry? Yeah, so I think it was around uh, early 2017 or even before that I started to... Uh, see these things happening around Bitcoin, uh, all the talk around Ethereum as well. And I sat, back then I was playing, buying some crypto, selling, uh, trading just for fun, just to understand the mechanics of all of it. And then I started to develop some codes to help me to connect some exchanges, gather some data to make some decisions. And at some point I started to read more about Bitcoin, the, the white paper, and also about Ethereum. And then I 
I had uh, uh, a very strong calling to just really delve into the stack because I saw something that something that was really new was happening uh, with the emergence of blockchains. You know, I think that's kind of uh, it's a similar story for a lot of us. Uh, maybe not so much for myself, but it's it's interesting, you know, because a lot of the founders that come on, they always tell us, you know, that was the changing point, and. I think it, it really reflects, you know, the the potential for this industry. Absolutely, I think it's a it's a disruption in in the matrix of how we did computer science until then, and and it's a whole new horizon for people. Yeah. So you know, let's just dive into the topic of today, which is actually Cartesi or Cartesi. Not sure really. I sure. hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Uh, you know, for the uninitiated, can you tell us a little bit about Cartesi and what it, it is? Yeah, Cartesi is a project that started early 2018, actually uh, at the beginning of the huge bear market we had back then. Uh, and our idea was to uh, tackle the problem of scalability because until nowadays, uh, it is a huge topic, right? We understand that if you don't solve scalability, we're not going to have massive adoption for blockchain. So we wanted to get into the scalability uh, realm, but we also identified an opportunity that no one was looking at, uh, namely to bring a real operating system and the mainstream software stacks to the world of smart contract developers. Because it's quite inconvenient for people to develop uh, in solidity and uh, with restrictions of, of uh, the EVM and, and the in, uh, immaturity of the tools. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to bring a virtual machine that would allow blockchains not only to scale, but also smart contract developers to code with the tools that they are used to. So that's what I have been doing. There's a lot of research around. And uh, right now we're getting closer to Testnet. Uh, that's really cool because, uh, like you said, you know, Solidity was designed quite a while back, and over time we have many new languages that came up, uh, including Rust for Solana, for example. And I was wondering about uh, who your, how does your software uh, com compare against to these uh, other chains? I'm glad you asked this question because normally, you know, the first thing that people may may understand when you talk about what you're building is that, okay, so with Cartesi, we can use any language you like. Yeah, that's true, but that's not the, the most important aspect here because, of course, people can develop in Rust with Cartesi, they can develop in JavaScript, in Python, whatever they like. But um, the most important thing is that it's not only the language support, it's the support to everything that can compile for Linux, everything that has been built uh, in the open source uh, software space. You can imagine that all software that people develop nowadays is based on so many libraries, components, services that have been built previously by other, other people, right? So we're not only bringing the languages, uh, our idea is to bring to smart contract developers all the software stacks that are available today in the open source world. So if you ask me how we compare to, let's say, Solana that supports Rust or other blockchains that support other languages, I, I would say that, yes, they support other languages, but still, uh, it's what we call normally as freestanding um, uh, environments or language. Uh, 
uh, you don't have a, a host uh, environment where you can have all the libraries. You only have very basic features of the language, but you don't have the standard libraries and all these components that are available outside. So uh, if, I, if I understand it correctly, right? because like you said, one of the key things for Cartesia is you guys are also onboarding Linux, which is actually a great asset because like you mentioned, uh, there's a host of libraries already behind the language and it's not like uh, the current state of the crypto ecosystem right because a lot of languages are very new and i'm guessing this is one of the uh, biggest selling points for cartesi absolutely usually we uh, we like to highlight two major benefits uh, or value propositions for cartesi one being that the current smart contract developers by using Cartesi, they can express much more, build much more powerful and complex smart contracts and applications because they can have access to all these libraries and components. They don't have to reinvent the wheel. And the second aspect that's also very important, not less important than the previous one, is that uh, we reduce a lot the entry barrier for uh, the normal developer out there. So developers nowadays, they want to enter blockchain, develop the apps. They have to master Solidity, understand a new language and get used to all the tools and the paradigms of developing for blockchains. And it's a tremendous shortcut when you can just use uh, uh, the tools and, and, the, and you know all the software and languages and components you are used to. So uh, we expect that that will reduce a lot the entry barrier for blockchain. So obviously, Cartesi, one of Cartesi's uh, value proposition is like lowering the entry barrier. But could you provide some context on, I, I'm not sure whether the team has the figures or maybe you've done some research or studies on this, but you know, we always hear about a lot of people wanting to come into blockchain or you know, this is the next internet 2.0 or 3.0 or whatever we want to call it but uh how much has it been of a barrier for existing developers outside of crypto to come in uh is the barrier big are there actually yeah. a lot of developers that want to come in but can't because they don't want to learn a new language yeah that's a very fair question and i uh i think the short answer is only time to tell right so being very frank with you uh, we have been using Cartesi, Cartesi really believing that it's a necessary step for a broad adoption of developers. Uh, but that's, that's a bet. And only as we put things out there for people to try and developers to get into it, we're going to have real uh, feedback from the world. However, uh, one thing that's very interesting that's happening right now is that we are already working with several uh, teams and software companies who are developing prototypes, uh, smart contracts with Cartesi rollups, and they are very excited and, and they are uh, doing things that would be basically impossible to do on any other smart contract platform. Uh, they are integrators that are uh, saying, wow, this, this uh, uh, solution is going to cut costs a lot for our company because we don't have to hire specialized talents that, that knows Solidity. So yeah, we, we are already having uh, examples, real life examples of developers getting really excited about this. So we've been talking a little bit about from the developer point of view, right? But I'm sure Cartesi is also an L2 uh, on ETH. And aside from, you know, all the developer incentives and all that, 
the other big part of building a blockchain ecosystem is obviously the users. So my question to you is, you know, what separates Cartesi from other existing L2 solutions like Arbitrum and Polygon, you know, the, the, the usual suspects? Yeah, yeah. Good question. Um, in one sense, we are developing a, a scalability solution, just like other teams are implementing rollups, like uh, MetaLabs, uh, you have ZK-Sync, you have Arbitrum, you have Optimism. Uh, now, Polygon is also entering the game with uh, their own rollup solutions. So there's a lot of uh, investments in the, in the rollups space. And it does make sense, right? Since when Vitalik uh, laid out this rollup-centric view, uh, we see this, uh, this race for, for good rollups implementations, and that's going to make a huge difference. So in one sense, Cartes is developing also a rollup solution. Uh, we actually do optimistic rollups, which, which is one way of, of uh, approaching rollups. Uh, and we, we are actually solving the, 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 the computation scalability very uh, efficient, uh, in a very efficient way with Cartes rollups, meaning that you can run smart contracts that are, have a very complex computation uh, exceeding by orders of magnitude whatever you can run uh, or express on the blockchain. So, yes, Cartes, just like other rollup solutions, is a scalability solution for greater processing, reduce, reduction of costs, and all these good properties that you find in rollups like Atrium and Optimism. But the, the, the main thing here to highlight is that the feature that we bring that is different from all the, the other platforms is that uh, the other platforms are, are normally focusing on the EVM and Solidity, uh, and we are, we are focusing on bringing a virtual machine that people can actually use Linux, right? So on the one hand, we're solving the scalability issue. On the other hand, it's quite unique. Uh, there is no competition we're doing. We're the only team uh, doing this, bringing uh, an operating system for people to develop their smart contracts. Um, but yes, so, and uh, we opted for optimistic rollups. Uh, there are technical reasons for that. It would be impossible to, to do what we do, uh, bringing a real operating system using the ZK rollup approach. Mm -hmm. So we in, are implementing a variant of optimistic rollups with interactive dispute resolution, which is similar to what Arbitron is doing. Mm -hmm. And also Optimism now uh, is also starting to develop this. Gotcha, gotcha. I, I think there are also a number of L2 solutions that are pivoted off the original Optimism solution, right? I think Metis as well has uh, done the variation of their own EVM machine. Hmm. Correct. So, that's, that's very true, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, okay, we, we talked about what Cartesi has to offer. And, you know... You guys uh, mentioned that you are approaching the testnet soon. Uh, do you have any timeline when that will occur? Yeah, you know, it's very tricky to work with timelines in the crypto space. Yeah. You, you look around, <laughs> you know, all the projects around, uh, 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 like Ethereum has been delaying uh, ETH 2.0, 
than mm-hmm. stake for staking for so long, right? It's very hard to predict and estimate times because the research is very complex. Mm-hmm. And several other projects also have hard times meeting deadlines. Cartesi, Cartesi uh, has was has been doing very well with meeting deadlines. However, last last year uh, we had to delay uh, the, the release of Cartesi rollups, and back then we decided to instead of uh, giving uh, firm dates, we uh, we switched this strategy to give a lot of transparency to the community. Uh, to release very frequently the updates and let people try things out with, and we will also release a report, reports and codes and everything for people to see uh, the progress as we go. And this has been working very well. And, and we are right now very close actually to coming to a version that's testnet ready. Very, very, very close to that point. All right. Uh, looking forward to that. Yeah. I, I, I just want to take a step back, right? So we, we talked about Cartesi as an L2 solution, but you know, within the wider context, there is a lot of L2 solutions. Um, and not just L2 solutions, there's a lot of L1 solutions. And you know, there's some argument that oh, L2 solutions are part of the Ethereum community, but I, I like this. I, I see them as you know separate chains on their own because it's a separate community, it's a separate ecosystem. And, you know, one of the questions that people ask is, are there, isn't there too many L2s now or isn't there too many L1 solutions now? Uh, you know, and one of the problems of this is that it fragments liquidity. It fragments the uh, limited ecosystem because they, there is basically more change than what the community actually needs. So that's one of the arguments out there. And I'm asking you, what do you think about this? Yeah. It's a good question, and, and uh, yeah, there are several technical uh, details on this conversation. Uh, so, but I, I'd like to, to highlight a few a few things that I think are important. The first of all, when, when you run rollups uh, layer two or even layer three on, let's say, a chain like Ethereum, you are in, you are inheriting the strong security guarantees of, of the base layer, right? That's yep. that's why you do rollups. Um, but then, yes, when you're running things, let's say, inside of Arbitrum or Network or Optimism, uh, you, you can think that the, the liquidity is fragmented because now we have parts in Optimism, parts in Arbitrum, and so on. Uh, the good news is that uh, there is a lot of good research happening on how to efficiently migrate assets from one rollup to another rollups or from the rollups back to the, to the base layer and uh, back and forth um, through the usage of, let's say, liquidity providers or other uh, strategies in the consensus of the layer two. So there are uh, efficient ways for you to counter that, that problem. Uh, whereas when you think about uh, multiple chains, we have a huge technical issue and security risk when you are passing assets around from one chain, one chain to the other. You see, uh, very frequently you see problems uh, in, in, in bridges, uh, this kind of uh, unfortunate uh, incidents happen uh, every once in a while. And the thing is, it's, it's very hard to, to make a secure bridge across uh, layer ones. 
Uh, on the other hand, bridging rollups in the same that are running on the same base layer like Ethereum is extremely secure. So you don't have the security problem that you would have interoperating or sending assets from one layer one to another layer one. So that's a very positive point for this ecosystem of chains running on top of the same uh, base layer because you, you retain the, the, the strong security even when communicating across these rollups. And you, you have this methodology that I said before to, to make things much more efficient uh, to, uh, for applications to communicate across rollups, to send assets across rollups, and so on and so forth. So actually, I'm very, I'm very positive uh, in, uh, about this uh, rollup-centric future for blockchains. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I want to go back to Cartesi, right? Because, you know, there are a lot of chains recently that have been talking about uh, integrating smartphones, uh, especially on Polygon and Solana, which is quite an interesting thing. Uh, I wasn't around then, but I've heard this was done way back as well in 2018 or 2019, if I'm not mistaken, with an older uh, chain and phone. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, and, you know, is Cartesi looking to do something like this in the future? Yeah, I think uh, there is so much to be solved on, on the on the back end and smart contract side, right? So right now, Cartesi, for the, in the short term, is focusing on the back end, on the smart contract platform. We need to make that environment much, much easier and much more efficient for developers to create uh, the Web3, the new Web3 applications, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, we are not in the, in the first moment looking, looking forward to uh, doing, focusing too much on the front end. That may come down, down the line. But what we really want to do which, uh, right now is to remove this, this huge barrier for people to develop smart contracts. Mm -hmm. There are things that you can do in terms of partnership with hard, hardware manufacturers. That, that's, that's something that we have been thinking uh, actually from the beginning of the project. Um, so the idea is that uh, people will be able to run Cartes Rollups validator nodes even from their computer. And thus, that should be very decentralized, very easily accessible to anyone with a normal computer to participate in the consensus or the validation of, of applications. But there is an interesting line of research or, or possibility to involve hardware manufacturers uh, to create specialized hardware for, for more efficient validation of, of Cartesian machines. Basically because uh, we decided to implement uh, our virtual machine based on the uh, instruction set architecture uh, called RISC-V, which is, a, is an open standard by uh, a Berkeley team, and that is being really more and more adopted uh, recently. So our VM is based on the RISC-V standard. And there are companies, for instance, that implement um, computers, hardware, uh, that are RISC-V. So one possibility is that in, 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 at some point we start to talk to, to these hardware manufacturers to look for interesting opportunities. You earlier mentioned uh, something about ZK 
you know, ZK Singh, the zero, uh, zero proof knowledge um, mm. form of blockchain. And it's quite interesting because over the past few weeks or months as well, ZK proof has been coming a lot more popular or at least a lot more well-known in the space. And, you know, considering your background in building a blockchain network and L2 solution, I just want to ask, you know, what, what are your thoughts on this trend? Do you think it's uh, going to stay? It's a sticky point for users and, you know, kind of a tougher question here, but if you uh, had the option, would you consider doing ZK proof for your own chain? Hmm. So ZK, ZK is uh, almost like magic. It's a really beautiful uh, technology. It's mm -hmm. very impressive what you can do with, with ZK. Actually, uh, recently I, I wrote a Twitter thread about my thoughts on ZK. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and I'm, I'm absolutely sure that ZK Rollapse is the best solution for a range of, of the apps. Particularly the, the, the apps or smart contracts, uh, similar to the ones that we have today uh, for DeFi. Uh, let's take DeFi, for instance. So DeFi today implements very sim simplistic smart contracts because people have to be very uh, economic in the way they use computational resources, data, and everything because everything's super expensive, right? Uh, because they have to pay gas costs. So DeFi nowadays, is based on very simplistic smart contracts. And for this kind of simple smart contracts, uh, ZK Rollups is probably the best solution because uh, you can actually scale things very well and you, uh, because you have validity proofs instead of, uh, instead of uh, uh, arbitration like you have in optimistic Rollups because you have validity proofs, the security uh, is, uh, you have slightly better security than optimistic rollups and uh, it's more efficient for people to just check that things are valid, whatever is coming from the mm -hmm. However, uh, and that's the reason why uh, for Cartesi uh, rollups or Cartesi's vision as a whole, ZK rollups is not the adequate vision because as computation starts to get more sophisticated, or especially when you want to embrace a um, general purpose uh, computation model based on real operating systems like we are doing, ZK Rollups would be impossible to, to do that. So you could not run uh, a Linux virtual machine on a ZK Rollup layer 2. And there are technical reasons. I, I explored them a little bit on, on my thread. But basically, it would be... Uh, computationally very hard to pull it off off-chain. Gotcha. Especially, especially when you have to deal with large amounts of, uh, of, of data and memory spaces, just like you do with operating systems. Nowadays, even for people to sort a, an array in the cable labs, they are limited to uh, very small memory ranges. So dealing with memory is particularly difficult with, with, with ZK rollups. Uh, when you're talking about memory, I'm not technical by nature, so I just want to clarify, you're talking about like RAM memory or like storage memory or neither? 
Yeah, uh, actually both, but uh, the, the memory that the program has available for it to, to deal with, right? So yep. if, I'm a, if I'm developing a program for an operating system, usually the operating system maps a huge region of RAM and also mm -hmm. virtual memory that is, uh, it pretends that it has more RAM than it has because it's counting on your hard drive, right? So yep. the operating system does all this kind of magic and, and it, it, it kind of creates a virtual, virtually infinite uh, memory address space for you. So when you are a normal developer developing for an operating system, you just don't, don't worry too much about these uh, memory constraints because you are using these resources from the operating system. When you go to uh, smart contracts uh, on the EVM model and you are very uh, limited by what these solutions can deliver, then you have to be very economic on how you deal with, uh, with data, uh, with storage, with memory, everything. What's your question? Thank you for the explanation. <laughs> Just want to clarify. Yeah. So you know, we we talked a little bit about the trends in uh, L twos, but I just want to ask, you know, where do you see the future for the L two ecosystem or blockchains in general? Do you think that traditional operating systems will begin to implement uh, blockchain technologies in the future, uh, or vice versa? Do you, would you see more blockchains? Adopting your approach and going the de developer-friendly route, you know, onboarding a traditional OSs onto crypto. Uh, well, we we are firm believers that uh, embracing reopening system and mainstream software components and stacks like we do is the is the future of of Web three and, and blockchain. It's very hard to imagine a future where you're going to have a massive uh, uh, construction in this space uh, without something like like this. Um, so yeah, but of course uh, we are biased, right? But because that's what what we do, and and, and uh, but we really believe that, and that's for the reasons that I exposed before. Right, because uh, it's hard for the mainstream developers to enter when they don't have their tools, and it's hard for the current smartphone developers to create more sophisticated apps. And if you go to the vision of, uh, let's say, Vitalik or the Ethereum Foundation, uh, Vitalik is a, a big advocate of, of uh, applications that are very innovative, that not only express financial possibilities, but uh, he, he is a person who wants to see uh, games and uh, many other industries developing, flourishing on blockchain. The problem is that due to the scalability limits, Ethereum has become gentrified. So only people who have a lot of money can you know, uh, uh, do transactions uh, on, on Ethereum or 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 it's only a layer that will support other layers where you can be more efficient. But the whole vision, uh, the long-term vision of Web3 and blockchain is not to stay with a simple DeFi smart contracts or NFTs. We want to see much more sophisticated applications that, are, that bring big user bases, that uh, bring much more value than 
than uh, the value that you see nowadays. Nowadays, what we see on Web3 and crypto is basically uh, a bunch of, of applications that people mainly interact for financial reasons, right? Because they want to, to play uh, these financial instruments, financial products, trade NFTs or, you know, uh, get loans. So I'm waiting for the day when uh, Web3 will start to onboard users just like Web2 does, users that, 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 are, that are coming to Web3 because they, they, they have useful things to, to do on Web3, not only to play with money and try to, to mm -hmm. make some bucks. So we have to get there. And in order for us to get there, we need to solve the scalability issue. We need to, to solve the environment that the developers have to develop these applications. Because only, what, only if you solve these two things, then you can have uh, fresh creative minds from the development world to come and build uh, these new things that they're waiting to see. You know, excellent roundup of the whole podcast, actually, Eric. <laughs> Thank you. I think we covered quite a lot for today. So I just want to end on this last note. Awesome. Is there any question that... Uh, you want me to ask, but I sh didn't, but should have? Or in other words, is there anything else you'd like to share, you know, before we end? Yeah, I'd like to share one last thing, um, something that I have been thinking uh, a lot recently, that um, normally we see blockchain tech as something that will disrupt the world in many ways, several industries. But I see uh, blockchain tech and Web3 as a great way for, for developers to, uh, to recover, uh, to realize their dreams and, and recover a lot of agency. They can come up with new ideas. They can gather like-minded people around the world, visionaries and other pioneers, and even form a DAO if they want or, or and, and fundraise much more easily through the tools that we have on Web3 nowadays. So it has never been easier for, for coders around the world to really get empowered and, and uh, pursue uh, their dreams with, with Web3. So, and, and that's something that really excites me as uh, I, I have been a developer throughout most of my life. And, uh, and I think that's very important for a developer to really be uh, working on something that they are passionate about. And what we're trying to do at Cartes is to really uh, bring developers uh, back to the, to the front seats and, and, uh, and empower them and give them the tools so they can more easily realize uh, their dreams. So I think that's uh, the last thing I wanted to say. Uh, coders, right? So we, we're all about coders around the world. Yeah, like you said, you know, builders are underrated in the space. A lot of people think about retail and the users, but builders are equally as equally important, if not more. Absolutely. And uh, to, to the extent that these developers create more interesting applications that are actually useful for people, then users will, will, will come uh, as a response. Right. So uh, in the end of the day, Cartes is a platform not, not only for, for developers, but uh, we are working for it to be a, a backbone uh, of, a, of a very important part of, of Web3 in the future. 
with lots of users and developers and visionaries benefiting from it. I believe we've covered all we wanted to today. Thank you so much, Eric, for coming on. Thank you, Ben. It has been a pleasure to, to be here with you. All right, that wraps up the show. Thank you for listening to the CoinGecko podcast with Bobby. If you like our show and want to know more, check out podcast.coingecko.com or please leave us a review on iTunes. If you have any feedback, do drop us an email at hello at coingecko.com. Join us for more next week. See ya! This podcast is provided as part of the overall information on cryptocurrency contained on our website, is for your general information only, and does not howsoever constitute any endorsement, financial or investment advice, nor any solicitation or offer of securities or other financial instruments. CoinGecko and the podcast presenter makes no warranties, implied or express, of any kind in relation to this podcast, including, without limitation, the accuracy and updatedness of its content. All opinions and recommendations therein the podcast are based on the personal opinion of the presenter. Please conduct your own research and procure professional advice should you, at your own risk, decide to howsoever invest or trade in relation to the content contained in the podcast.